Mm, hello, and welcome to the 39th episode of Curiosityness. I am Travis DeRose, the host, and we're giving away free stickers! Free stickers! Curiosityness stickers. Head over to uh, uh, curiosityness.com slash free sticker to get yours. Claim it now. Free shipping and handling. 100% free. Don't have to enter your credit card. I promise it's free. And I'll send it to you. Uh, but this episode, I have on Allison of Walt Dated World. Uh, WaltDatedWorld.com is her site, but she just documents, you know, all the stuff that was or planned to be in uh, Disney World, but is not that there anymore. So it's just super fun to uh, to talk to her and hear about these things that Disney World planned, but just never came to be for whatever reason, because they had some pretty cool ideas. And um we especially dig into Epcot on this episode and, and what it was supposed to be with Walt's vision and everything like that, but never happened. So uh, here is the episode with Allison of Walt Dated World. And boom. Hello. How's it going, Allison? Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. So you right before we hit record, you said you didn't claim to be a, a Disney expert, but <laughs> I think you're you're probably up there. You're up in the, the highest percentile for sure. Um but yeah, I mean, this is like, I, so I, um, I did the Disney college program in 2012 Yeah, and you know, I've always been into Disney. I live in LA Anaheim area, so I've always gone there and stuff when I was younger. So always into it. Um, but I took a, uh, a like history of Walt class or something like that when I was at the Disney college program or history of Disney or some, something like that. But that's what kind of got like me started on the the like history of Disney and everything that was there and everything like that. It's such a cool story. Um, mm-hmm. like almost to the point where I feel like I like that stuff more than actually going to the park, like strangely. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah. How did this, how did all this kind of stuff begin with you? Like when did your fascination with all this begin? Well, um, I like to say that my first trip to Disney world was actually before I was born because my mom, visited when she was pregnant with me. My first actual trip was when I was four years old. And prior to going when I was four, I was very um, familiar with the park already for a couple of different reasons. Um, One, my mom, uh, she took a lot of pictures on her previous trips. Uh, She felt very strongly in remembering the trip. So she would buy things like the... uh, pictorial souvenirs that had oh, pictures. Nice. So I grew up looking at this book. She, they used to have these big maps you could buy at the park that were called fun maps. And she bought one. They weren't really to scale. They were kind of done in a cartoon style, but they were really cool. And they really just um, featured things that always weren't built. So I would always look at this map and um, my grandparents also, they went to the parks very early uh, when they were built, and they got this really great uh, booklet uh, that was kind of published at the very beginning of the park. So there's a lot of construction photos in here, a lot of concept art, and that just, I would look at that at their house. Mm-hmm. My mom, um, back in the day, there used to be something called the Magic Kingdom Club, okay, and it was a benefit for a lot of uh, big companies that... Um, you could get discounted Disney tickets through them. And the great thing about the Magic Kingdom Club is that they published a magazine called Disney News. 
<laughs> and uh, we used to get this thing in the mail, and it would usually just, it wasn't very big, but it would have um, things that were new in the park, uh, prices of tickets, things like that. So before I even went there, I was super familiar with the parks. I knew exactly what uh, to expect, and I was old enough to remember it, which is a big thing. Yeah. And when, and when you're four, not only do you remember it, but you're also at the age where you really think it's real. Mm-hmm made a big impression on me. One of the the things that I remember the most is we went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Right. My grandpa drove, he was in the driver's seat of the car and I was young enough. I thought he was actually driving that car through that thing. And I thought right. he was doing a job, scared me half to death. <laughs> but, but, but that's what makes it magical when you're a kid. Yeah. And um, we only went, when I was young, we only went a couple times, like once, maybe every two years. But I always remembered that uh, Disney was building the city of the future. Mm-hmm. This was all the Disney news magazines. Uh, another thing that uh, Disney did, and I don't know if, if this went out to everybody or what, but both my parents and my uh, grandparents, they got this really cool booklet sent to them in the mail. They never requested it. It just showed up in the mail one day. Uh-huh. About Epcot was opening up and uh, it was filled with concept art and it said the 21st century is beginning October 1st, 1982. Oh boy. That um, really captured my, my imagination as a kid. We, we happened to be there when the parks were being built and we, we drove by, we saw a spaceship earth that was half assembled. We saw monorail beams that weren't finished and it was like wow that's going to be the future someday Mm -hmm. so I just um couldn't wait to go there and when we and when as I got older when I would go to the parks I always would be very mindful of taking the pictures getting the maps because I wanted to remember it all because back then you didn't really have a video camera you didn't have YouTube there wasn't places to share the stuff so it's like I wanted to just take the whole experience and keep it forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I amassed all this stuff. And then um, back in 2001, we, uh, my family got a computer that had web web page uh, software on it. And I'm like, you know, I want to learn how to do this. And I have all this stuff. Why don't I share this with people? And so that's basically how my site started. Uh, uh, started building it in February, 2001, and then Whoa. launched it in uh, April of uh, 2001. So it'll be 18, 18 years or something like that in yeah. April. Dang. That's a long time for a website. That's a, it's a old website. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most, uh, you know, I, I don't have as many Disney connections as maybe some of the other sites, but I like to say I'm one of the first sites. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. That's, uh, it's kind of interesting how you mentioned, you know, all the, uh, like articles and, and like magazines that would be sent to you. It's almost like the original uh, like blog sort of where Disney's sending you the stuff and writing articles about, you know, what's going on in the, in the, uh, in the parks and what's new. But now it's almost shifted to where it's Disney very much controlled what was written in that stuff. Right. And they sent it to you, but now it's, I'm sure they still have their own blog and everything where they really do press releases and and stuff. But now you can, a lot of people find that news through, you know, kind of third party bloggers and people like you. So it's just kind of an interesting transition, I'm sure. 
Yeah, well, I'm a little different because I don't really focus on the new stuff. Mm -hmm. I I usually care more about the stuff once it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I do keep tabs on what's going on. In fact, uh, just yesterday, they announced that they're going to be redoing the entrance to Epcot and finally moving the Leave a Legacy. A lot of people call it the graveyard with all the pictures of people on it. They're going to be moving to a different area outside of the main entrance. Oh, interesting. And then uh, they announced they're finally going to replace uh, the Wonders of Life Pavilion with a new pavilion that I guess is going to they, – they didn't give it a name yet, but it's going to be dedicated to play. Interesting. Playful. Yeah, that one will be interesting. I don't know. Huh. Okay. Are they just kind of redesigning the entrance just for something new, just to freshen uh, it up? I think they're going to open it up a little wider um, and kind of put it back to the way it used to be where it was more greenery. Oh, That's cool. Looking at the concept art, we'll see what they end up building. Who knows? Right. Okay. So yeah, like we, I think we should dive into Epcot because it's like, personally, that's my favorite park at uh, Disney World. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't, I've only been there a couple times because uh, I'm close. You know, it's always Disneyland for me. But um, yeah, just freaking love Epcot, even since when I was younger. Um, so when did Epcot open again? 1982. 1982. October first. Okay, October first, nineteen eighty-two, and but the the like concept for it was around way before that, and it went through a bunch of changes, right? Yeah, um, I, I think a, a couple of different things influenced Walt Disney when he was planning Epcot. Um, the first thing that I think really kind of gave him the idea is back when he uh, did stuff for the nineteen sixty-four World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know much about uh, the the New York World's Fair, it's a great story. You really should uh, look into that. Disney designed four different attractions for it, including Uh its small world and great moments of Mr. Lincoln, Carousel Progress, Magic Skyway. And he was very savvy by doing that because he was already thinking of an East Coast Disneyland. Mm -hmm. This allowed him to kind of uh, test the waters, if you will, on the East Coast. Okay. It allowed him to develop new technology and attractions with other people's money. (laughs) Nice. And I think it also made him, if he wasn't already interested in urban planning uh, due to the New York World's Fair, I really think that kind of made him a lot more aware of it because Disneyland, as you you know, um, it's kind of been encroached by commercial development. There's not a lot of room to expand. You can... Uh, you're very aware that there's other stuff outside the park. Mm-hmm. And one of the things when he started buying up land in Florida is he wanted to have what he said was the blessing of size. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that uh, vision, there always was going to be a Disneyland style park, but he also wanted to build like a, a community that would be what he called a living blueprint where people and, and, uh, Technology was going to be a big part, new prototype technology in conjunction with corporations. And shortly before he died, in fact, I think it was about six weeks before he died, he made um, a film promoting that idea so that he could uh, kind of sell the the concept to both uh, Florida legislature and uh, sponsors or corporations to sponsor it. Uh The plan was, was very different at the time. Uh, there's a lot of concept artwork that uh, I'm sure a lot of Disney fans, including yourself, have probably seen. Originally, it was going to be a, a dome city. There was going to be 
the middle part was going to be an urban area. There was going to be a residential area outside of it. It was going to be serviced by people mover, monorail. Everybody that lived there was going to work there. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he, he passed away before, uh, shortly after the land was bought. And then after he died, uh, I, I think they were a little bit paralyzed by, oh, my God, how are we going to do this now that Walt is gone? Yeah. And they went ahead with phase one, which was Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tried to incorporate different technologies into the Magic Kingdom that they said were embodied the spirit of Epcot. But the idea just wouldn't go away. People just kept saying, well, when are you going to build this, the city of the future? When, when are you going to build Epcot? Right. And finally, in uh, the mid-70s, they decided, okay, well, we're going to do the first part, and we're going to build this thing that's called World Showcase. And it was very different than the concept we know now. It was going to be near the Transportation and Ticket Center. It was going to basically be two um, kind of like crescent-shaped buildings. like So everybody would have the same size entrance for the mm-hmm. countries. And then inside they could build it out however big their budget was or anything. And then they just, part of the problem with that is they couldn't get governments to sign on and sponsor it. Oh, I see. And then they, they were going ahead with this future concept and they, and then finally someday or one day they uh, realized, Hey, we should put these two concepts together and make it kind of like a permanent world's fair. Mm, Okay. The simple way of, of putting it. So that's ultimately how Epcot, uh, got built. And I believe they broke uh, ground. Uh, I think it took about three years to finally build the, the Epcot we know today. Okay. And uh, it ended up not having permanent residence because that was like a, a big selling point. And, and even as a kid, I knew, oh yeah, people are going to live here one day. And then that never happened. Yeah. Uh, and I realized it was because if you've got people that live there and they own land there, then they're going to have voting rights and that's going to affect uh, a couple <laughs> Yeah, it would have been extremely different if it was an actual city with people living there and stuff. Yeah, and ultimately they did end up doing that town celebration, which I think they have now sold. And I think they kind of realized there that you can't really have that much authority over people. People are going to do what they want to do. (laughs) Yeah. Man, so do you think, uh, I mean, it's impossible to say, I guess, but do you think if Walt hadn't passed away that... Epcot would have turned into a city. He would have made it happen. You know, I, I love speculating that, but I really don't know. I don't Mm. know how it would have ended up. Um, it, it, it's just, yeah, there's just too much speculation. Yeah. I wish I had an answer for that. I don't. Right. I like to think he would have. It seems like he, it seems like he was extremely passionate about it. Doesn't it? He was, but I, I just don't know how how that would have worked. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, what does Epcot, Epcot stand for again? Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Okay. So was it ever even, like initially, it wasn't even like a theme park at all, or like a, yeah, like a park at all, was it? It was, it was supposed to be the community, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it just totally got changed into into a totally different concept but it's understandable why it would happen Um, yeah but for the people that did design it i I really think that that uh they were influenced by the new york world's fair yeah when they were with the 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 concept and the execution Mm -hmm. 
Very true. Um, yeah, it is really, it is different. It is like a world's fair when you men- when you say that. That's very much what it feels like, um, which is cool. I like that. Is it turning more and more into like a a general kind of theme park though? Oh, you know, there's some interesting things that are coming up on the horizon. And uh, one thing that kind of galvanizes Disney fans is that uh, most of the stuff that is built nowadays, it's tied into what's called intellectual property, which means they have to tie it to something. So, for example, the old universe of energy is going to be themed to Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm not saying that's bad. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I think it was kind of cool when they invented their own stuff. Yeah. Haunted Mansion, even Expedition Everest was their own idea. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing. I know there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in preparation for uh, Disney World's 50th anniversary. So I look forward oh, to yeah. that. Uh, but then again, you know, being focused on the past, though. So <laughs> Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So, I mean, this, this kind of happened. But, I mean, what was... What are some of the things that maybe were were planned that for Epcot, like specific things that were planned that never really got built or, you know, some of your favorite things that were were there that aren't there now? Yeah, well, um, most of the stuff that they planned and ended up not building was actually in World Showcase. Okay. And for that is because um, most all of the Future World pavilions they did end up having sponsorship. So they were able to get money from that to fund the construction for those pavilions. With World Showcase, it was a little different because the governments weren't footing the bills. And in most cases, uh, it was companies within those countries. So um, they did scale back a lot of stuff because of that. So for example, Japan was gonna have a clone of the Meet the World attraction that was at Tokyo Disneyland. That ended up never being built. There were actually whole pavilions that were planned and never built. One of the most famous was the uh, Africa Pavilion, which was actually featured in the grand opening special for Epcot. And that's why they had the refreshment outpost in Africa or between uh, China and Germany, because that's where it was going to be. Spain uh, was going to be built. Israel. And some of it just ended up, they, they just didn't have the money and nobody wanted to sponsor it. Uh, Future World too. There, there were some things that were planned that were never built, especially in the Communicore area. There was going to be a Tron arcade, which as a kid, um, I had a Epcot book that I used to take out of the library all the time that mm-hmm. had a lot of um, concept artwork because it was issued before the park was built. It mentioned the Tron arcade and that. So when I finally did go to Epcot, I'm like, where's this Tron arcade? I want to go there. Um and then there were other things that kind of sat uh, in production for a long time before they actually built it. What Way before Mission Space was constructed, there was going to be a, a space pavilion from the beginning. And mm-hmm. I just think the technology was where they wanted it to be. Uh, and that's why uh, one of the reasons that wasn't built. Oh, I see. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to always think about what, what might have been and uh, never was. Uh, and actually on my site, I do have a very small area where I have some of the concept art for stuff that was planned for the parks and, and never built. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, people it's... go there and see. And uh, yeah, so you never know. No, no idea ever really goes to waste around Disney. Who knows? Maybe someday uh, we'll see some more changes in World Showcase. Um, 
one positive thing, they're building that Ratatouille ride in France. So we'll see what else they uh, have up their sleeve. Okay. Yeah, the Ratatouille ride, I think they had that. I went to the uh, Disney Paris or Paris yeah. Disney or whatever it is, and I think they have that there, don't they? <laughs> they're okay. going to build it in Epcot. Sweet. Yeah, that that's cool. I mean, I understand their, their uh, you know, want to kind of do – uh, you know, rides and attractions that are based off of movies and things like that. Cause it, it's, that's just kind of the way things are going now. It's definitely the trend. Um, but it is cool when they do invent kind of new stuff, but it, do you think people would just be kind of like, why are you doing that? If they did that stuff now? Not necessarily. I mean, they built expedition Everest and no one's questioning. Well, I don't know this Yeti. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Man, okay. It it's also it's like um it's I think it's fun to get into how much of a like Disney just seems like huge, right? Like they especially today, they're just like massive and seem like they can do anything they want. Um but I think it's fun to talk about how they can't like they have issues with like money and sponsorship and everything. Like they can't there's real world uh limitations to the stuff they want to do um Mm -hmm. you know like with not being able to get sponsors for for the world pavilion or or was that what it's called world showcase world showcase okay yeah Yeah, i just find that it i it's just interesting to, to get all that the full story because just visiting the park you don't really think about that stuff you know um yeah yeah okay so like how so the world showcase was originally, they just couldn't get countries to really sponsor and come in and build these things. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, they really tried and there were a lot of countries that were interested, but nobody was really committing the money. Yeah. And that's one of the things that just kind of made them rethink the whole concept and, uh, combine it with the future world. Okay. I see. Cause it is a little strange. They're too, they seem like they're very different, concepts that are in the in one park at epcot but that that makes sense i guess but at the same time too if you think about it it, it talks about you know the the humanness of the future i mean so i, I mean in in some ways it, it seems strange but in other ways i think it, it really makes sense and i think they really tried to play off on that when they had their millennium celebration back in 2000 because they uh they built a, a temporary pavilion called uh, Millennium Village where they brought in other countries that weren't represented in World Showcase uh to just kind of uh encourage the message message of peace and having them share stuff about their country as well as technology too. So mm-hmm. I think I think they made it fit nice. Yeah, that's good. Um I guess do you is there there seemed to at least when Epcot was really built and everything, there was a big focus on kind of education and new technology and stuff. Is that still the case when you visit the park today, really? Um, I, I think they've kind of gotten away from that, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, it, it had to be for entertainment. Um, a lot of times people would be like, well, you know, if I want to learn this, I'll learn it in school. I personally thought it was great as a kid. I thought it was neat. Yeah. But I feel like they're trying to, to do more of the uh, – entertainment versus the education but maybe they're still sneaking some in yeah well i think they definitely try to do it still but yeah that was a big thing of waltz where he liked to educate people um especially with different cultures and all the traveling he did and stuff he really liked to share stuff that he learned 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the, you know, the like, cause they had like the energy show and stuff with Ellen and everything like that. Right. Uh, Ellen's energy adventure replaced the original, um, universe of energy show. Okay. And, uh, that is now going to be guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they are making a move towards it, but it seems like it, what it, Disney sort of has like, and well, and the whole world did in like, you know, the fifties and sixties, it seems like the their vision of the future is kind of, it's very cool to look at and, and see all the like stylized drawings of like almost this like retro future vision, which is super fun to visit and everything. But now that we're getting, we're sort of in the future now, I guess, from, from that time. So it's like, well, they need to update their stuff to, to show the new future things. And especially with, um, I don't know, like with all this electric cars and, and everything coming out, it seems like they could do some really cool, fun stuff in there. Well, and I, and I think it's important they still do that because if you look at a lot of depictions of the future nowadays, it's so dystopian. So we still need an optimistic version of the future. I really yeah. think that. And I think that's what uh, not only Epcot, but like Tomorrowland in the 50s at Disneyland, I think they all strove for that that great big beautiful tomorrow, as they say in Carousel Progress. And we need that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like it's almost to the point where we're hitting these technologies, but stuff is getting almost too complicated and too technological that it's hard to really convey it to just like a public audience who kind of wants to come in and just have fun? think necessarily i mean a lot of stuff um especially like with smartphones and stuff it's rather intuitive mm-hmm, and i think true. there is still and, and disney's a storytelling company if anyone's going to be able to get people to understand something it's going to be disney yeah and they don't really do they still do kind of the sponsorship things that they used to do with, yeah, with they larger still, companies yeah they still do have partnerships with a lot of companies and um I think that's still important to them, but now, especially since they've acquired Marvel and Star Wars, yeah. I mean, you don't need something like that. That's your own advertising right there. So yeah, because that that seemed that was a big um, thing. It seemed like before where you know they would partner up with GE, and GE would want to show off their new technology, and Disney would figure out how to make it you know fun and digestible for the public. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, another important thing with those earlier sponsorships is that um, they wanted it to be, for example, GE's vision of the future, not Disney's. They wanted to know, according to these major corporations, how do they see the future? Mm-hmm. What is AT&T or, or back then it was Bell Systems? What is Bell Systems' view of the future? What's Kraft's view of the future of food production? What's Exxon's future view of energy? So um, I think that was important to them. Mm-hmm. To have that 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 outside opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, wouldn't it be so cool if they they teamed up with like Elon Musk and SpaceX or something to do like a a space adventure thing? Well, um, maybe when the mission space comes up for a partner re- renewal, Redesign. they can uh, bring something in there. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be very cool. Um, is Test Track Test? I think it's Test Track, right? Is that still at Epcot? Uh, yes, it is. And originally, it was an attraction called World of Motion. It's always been sponsored by GM, even though now it's their division, Chevrolet, that sponsors it. Oh. And originally, it with the future of transportation. And it had one of the biggest audio animatronic casts um, 
in I think any Disney ride. It was an incredible ride. Oh. And uh, if I if I had to go back in time, I would definitely want to ride that one again and record that one more because I certainly didn't take enough pictures when I had the chance. Okay, so was it kind of a slower kind of ride? It, where there? Yeah, it was a slower ride. Um, Kind of like a, an omni mover type ride, even though it was maybe only three or four cars per vehicle. And it would go um, just go past a bunch of scenes with Audi animatronics. There was a, a speed tunnel effect in it, um, but it wasn't anything like test track where it would go really fast and go outside the building. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I had never experienced that before. When I The first time I went, it was already test track. Ah. Uh, yeah. You didn't get to see it. It was right. great. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that seems like a cool, like the perfect uh, platform to to share info with about like electric cars and, and new kind of stuff going on there. And especially, you know, Chevrolet has the, the Bolt and stuff like that that they're already working on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe uh, when they uh, do another uh, refurbishment, maybe we'll see something like that. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, the other pavilion, though, that I, I really miss is Horizons, which um, it was sponsored by GE right next to World of Motion, now Test Track. And that kind of encompassed all of the themes of Future World. And it was originally going to be called Century 3, because it was going to be life in the U.S. in the tricentennial year. Oh. And um, it just uh, would go past an underwater city, uh, a farm in the desert, just a very, very well done ride. And uh-huh. I, I miss that one a lot too. Wow. So the, it was called Horizons when they, when Horizons. they did open it. Mm-hmm. It opened up uh, one year after Epcot opened. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was in the original like ideas then. So it had an underworld like city uh, plan to it? Well, um, you went past a couple of different scenes, one of which was a city that was underwater. <laughs> and uh, there was also a desert scene. Uh, it was like a citrus farm, and they would pump out this orange spray. It, it, I mean, it was very memorable uh, scent. Uh-huh. So a lot of people remember that. Um, and it also had a section on looking back at preview, like past views of the future. So it was just a really neat ride. Mm-hmm. So was that... I mean, I'm just curious about the underwater city thing. Like, was that something they were actually like, did they think that was maybe going to happen in the future for real? Uh, maybe. I mean, it, um, it it had like a whole little school class. They were going to go get ready to scuba dive with their little seal friend. And right. just kind of passes the kids were getting ready to dive. And then at the very end of the ride, they um, kind of like what Spaceship Earth does now, you were allowed to pick your ending to the ride and you could pick to go to the future in the desert the sea or space oh. and then um, a little screen would be in front of the vehicle and um, uh, it, the, the car would kind of tilt when you were flying over your your ending mm-hmm. man that sounds like a fun ride that sounds very cool yeah and at the time too the technology you just thought that was so cool like wow i get to pick how this ends you know mm-hmm. yes yeah it just seems like they could they should still be doing that stuff because you know um, I've done a couple episodes on Elon Musk and the stuff that he's doing with SpaceX and going to Mars. And he's trying to, his main goal is just to like reinvigorate the interest in space and, and get the next generation of people like interested in that and going there. So it seems like Disney has, 
should hop on that again and and get going with this stuff because there's a lot of cool when you look at his you know renderings of things it's fun and exciting and it could be some really cool attractions like similar to what they they've had before at epcot so i would love to see them do that kind of stuff oh yeah absolutely um and i think you know and again it was like seeing their stuff as a kid that inspired me seeing the concept art and then seeing like the final park i mean and, and i think kids need that nowadays mm-hmm. they need something to inspire them yeah very true um but then i, I saw this on your uh Instagram account. I was just scrolling through it yesterday, but you ha- yeah. you mentioned that uh, Epcot used to have like a Barbie show or something like that. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, that was maybe um, a, a, a thing of sponsorship that maybe shouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who have very fond memories of it, but um, yeah, that was kind of a little bit of a mismatch, but I, I think it came about because Mattel at that time was sponsoring it's a small world and they also sponsored uh, a toy store in what what's now disney springs time was downtown disney Mm. so um i I think they just kind of had to figure out a how to put a presence in in that park and i I think mattel actually helped fund like the renovation of the stage where the barbie show was held in the uh, american adventure pavilion but Mm. uh yeah, that one was a little bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> and and, strange, and strangely enough, um, the uh, car they used for the Barbie meet and greet is actually in the, the Volo Auto Museum, which is near where I live in Chicago. So I actually was there recently and I saw the old Barbie car. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, but that's a great place. They actually have a couple of different things. They have one of the old um, buses that used to transport people within uh, World Showcase where they got rid of them so oh that's right i was reading yeah. about that on your site didn't it didn't you say something about like some kids crashed into a tree or something some kids, yeah some kids they had the bus parked outside and some kids went and sat in it. i guess the brake wasn't properly set oh and it gosh. rolled into a tree they fixed it since then though i went and checked it out because uh-huh. uh, this museum's great it's got stuff besides cars including a lot of disney stuff oh what is the museum called again Volo Auto Museum. If you're ever in the Chicago area, you got to check them out. Volo. V-O-L-O? Uh-huh. Okay. That sounds awesome. I love auto museums. Yeah. They also have some vintage 1960s uh, Moldorama machines that make Disney figures. Oh, sweet. I love Moldorama machines. I was trying to oh. get the uh, the guy who sort of invented that on the podcast, and it, it might happen. We'll see. But those things are awesome. Yeah. When I saw that, my jaw dropped. I'm like, take my money, please. Right. So you could still use them. <laughs> you can still use them, but they're only, they're so fragile. They only run them on the weekends. Oh, okay. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Those things are so fun. <laughs> and you could like, you would, you could like smell the molding plastic, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> Gosh, I love that. It seems so like unhealthy and unsafe, but that's, that's great. I think you need to plan a trip to Chicago just for that. Uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I've been wanting to go to Chicago too, actually. So that that would be that's a good excuse. <laughs> um, can we talk about uh, Spaceship Earth? And that's because that's the attraction inside the big, you know, golf huh. ball or, or whatever the official the name sphere, is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the official name of that? A geosphere. Geosphere. Okay. So how like. Where did this come from, the whole Spaceship Earth concept and that whole geosphere? Was it just supposed to be kind of an icon for the park? 
Uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons that they wanted a big focus when you first came into the park. And then inside, it uh, focuses on the history of communication. And uh, it is amazing if, if uh, when you ride it, you're like, how do they fit all this into this ride? I mean, yeah. and uh, a couple of years ago, there there was some speculation that they were going to replace it with like a high speed ride through the through it instead it was gonna be called time racers or something like that i'm kind of glad that concept didn't end up happening huh it was gonna be high speed inside of that yeah it would go inside and outside of it according to the uh concept plan that thankfully never materialized oh (laughs) jeez because yeah now you go ahead yeah there were rumors that microsoft was gonna sponsor the new version of it oh okay that might be cool actually um, but yeah, it is a fun ride. I love how you, uh, cause now they have the, um, you, they like take a photo of your head and then like put you in the, mm-hmm. in the whatever little animation, which is fun. <laughs> and it's all like, cause you spend the, you spend the whole ride going up the, the dome. Right. And then you, yeah. you end just like going straight down. Yeah. That, uh, the one thing I miss though, in the, the newest, uh, version of this ride is I, I missed that old tomorrow's child song, which wasn't even there originally. It came during the 1986 renovation, but to me, that just was such a inspiring and hopeful song for the future. Okay. What was that song? Tomorrow's child. Tomorrow's child. Yeah. When did they get rid of that? Do you know? Um, when they did the Jeremy Irons, because I think we're on the fourth version of this ride now. So it was oh, wow. back in the 80s, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I am I don't think I heard that when I went in the you probably 2000s. Yeah, you would have seen the Jeremy Irons version, and then after that was Judy Dench. Okay. Well, it wow. was the Walter Cronkite version of Spaceship Earth. <laughs> he was the old narrator. He was the second narrator. Oh, really? Wow, that's that's awesome. Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, what are there any other, you know, things that we should talk about, like the world of motion or anything like that? Um, well, in addition to uh well, Journey to Imagination or Journey into Imagination, that one, um a lot of people missed the original version of that pavilion. Okay. Dragon. They they had a wonderful dark ride that they built there. And since nobody really knew who figment and Dreamfinder were, they developed a really cool system, uh, where your ride vehicle at the very beginning would lock into this turntable. And, uh, you would watch the scene that went on for about four minutes and get to know these characters mm-hmm. before you went on and ventured into the rest of the ride with them. And, uh, people were quite upset when they removed that ride. They, they redid it into a, um, a new ride and only had like figment do a cameo at the end. And people were furious. They actually had to um, redo the end of the ride and add figment back into it. And, and it was funny because um, I was on a, uh, a tour of Epcot, like a backstage tour. Mm -hmm. And everybody was asking the tour guide, why did you get rid of figment? And he, (laughs) And he's like, and he's explaining, and, and it turned out, we didn't know it at the time, but there were other cast members that were pretending to be guests in with us in this tour. Oh. And like, we hear this question a lot, you know, and, and we don't know what, we don't know what they were thinking either, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. 
So that was their way that they tried to address it, but I think they uh, they lost a good thing with that one, removing yeah. that one. Because, yeah, when was that removed? Uh, that one was removed in the sometime in the early, maybe late 90s. Don't, okay. don't quote the dates. Once I put set this stuff down, I try to uh, move on to other no, things. No, I get you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I've... In the 90s. Okay, because I I've I went on that and I do because so he's Figman is still like in the ride at the end a little bit. So so Figman he he's still sprinkled throughout the ride and they added more Figment characters at the end, but it, it just isn't the same, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Because I yeah I remember him being in the ride when I went, but I didn't. You know, like most people, I guess I had no idea who he was. So did did he have like a cartoon or a movie or something before, or was he created for the ride? created for a ride oh, okay i see they probably should have put him into a, a cartoon or something but they they never did that huh yeah because that's and now is that ride still there at all or is it gone oh yeah no it's still there but i i think there's so much more potential that they uh could do with that but i think again part of it is uh, kodak doesn't sponsor that pavilion anymore so they probably would need some new sponsorship in order to to really reach the full potential Right. Yeah. Kodak's probably having trouble. Sponsoring yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they need to find somebody else, but uh, it's kind of interesting because that new pavilion they're going to put into um, the old wonders of life pavilion. It has to do with like, I think they, they said imaginative play. So it kind of sounds like a spiritual successor to journey to imagination, which makes me wonder, well, what are they going to do with the imagination pavilion? So it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, stuff just, it inevitably just has to evolve and change. Um, Disney just has to keep doing stuff. But people are always going to be upset when things change. Uh, but I, overall, I think, I mean, what do you think about how they kind of manage, you know, implementing new stuff? And, and of course, they're inevitably going to have to take things down. Yeah. Um, you know. You know, I, I a lot of times people get very upset when they uh, remove something. But I, I, I try to say, well, you know, let's take a look at it. Let's see it. And then when I am in the parks, if I if I think something's going to close or just anything in general, I try to document it and enjoy it while it's still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just enjoy it while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and your site is, is documenting it for all of us, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I try to always take a lot of pictures. Um I don't get to go to the parks as often as I'd like, not being uh, as close to them as you you are in California, let's say. But when I do go, I try to take tons of pictures, videos, uh, try to collect any uh, maps and things that might help me down the road. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, yeah, I mean. Everybody that wants to see them then. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate your site. It is it is super fun to uh, to go and see all the stuff that was like because even I can partially remember some of it, but a lot of it I, I missed out on too because I was just too young. But um, but it's awesome. So uh, yeah, for anybody listening, that your your site is waltdatedworld.com. Definitely recommend people go check it out. It's super fun to to flip around in and check out all the stuff. And then um, you're on all pretty much every social media too as as Walt Dated World, right? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Pinterest. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, which in addition to Disney videos, I uh, 
have a couple of other things I document as far as uh, other amusement parks, carnival rides, uh, mechanical st- uh, stuff like uh, those old Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza shows. So check check me out. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll get links to all that stuff in the uh, show notes for for people to click on and and check you out and follow you. So. Yeah, I appreciate you being on, Allison. It's fun talking about this stuff. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk sometime, too, about the Magic Kingdom. I'd love to talk to you about that and uh, tell you about some of the stuff removed there and some of the tributes they plant into the other rides uh, when they do replace stuff there. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's a good cliffhanger. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do another episode. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Sweet. All right. Well, you know, have a good rest of the day, Allison. Appreciate you uh, being on taking the time. All right. Pleasure talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, boy. What an episode. Thanks for sticking around and listening to it. This is Travis again uh, here on my own. But as a thank you for sticking around, I wanted to give you a free sticker, a free curiosityness sticker, 100% free. Don't have to pay for shipping. You don't have to enter your credit card info. It's really free. Uh, to get one, go to curiosityness.com slash free sticker, and it's yours. I'll send it to you right away, and, and you can slap that baby wherever you want to represent curiosityness. So uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Just wanted to give you guys a little gift. Um, so just go ahead and claim that at curiosityness.com slash free sticker. And uh, visit our website too, curiosityness.com. I have an Instagram, curiosityness podcast. I'm on Instagram too as Trav DeRose, me, Travis, the host. You can follow me if you want. Uh, we're on Twitter, Curiosityness TV is our uh, handle there. We're on Facebook as Curiosityness. All the links to this stuff are in the show notes. You can just click on it and follow us if you want to because I post some cool little clips and, and extra stuff that you don't get from the uh, podcast onto social media. So you can join in on that and comment and, and talk about me and the show or whatever you want to do. Uh, we're on YouTube too as Curiosityness. And I have an email address, Travis at Curiosityness.com. Send me an email. Send me your thoughts on the show, suggestions for new guests tips on things to make the show better and and help me with my interviewing and and get better and everything like that. So uh, constructive feedback is always nice. So send me an email and uh, also reviews super help. Uh, Really appreciate reviews on the show in uh, Stitcher or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, Just drop a review. That's extremely helpful. You don't even have to make it five stars. You can, you can lower it. Uh, I would prefer a higher one, but whatever, whatever you want to do. I won't coax you into something, Uh, but any sort of review helps. I really honestly do appreciate it. So um, yeah, thank you again, guys, for sticking around and listening to this end blabber with me, but uh, have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye.